There's Joe. I'm going to admit him, all right? Okay. <laughs> I think that's uh, okay. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome to see where Joe. What's up, guys? Joe. Good afternoon. What's shaking? How are you? Good. Good. How you stuff. guys doing? We're having quite a day. Oh, nice. Friday the 13th, so it has... Um, J- J- Doug and I did a uh, show. Uh, so we did an episode this morning at 7 a.m. Uh, with a uh, guy that was a chef uh, developer that was in Bali. Or oh, Bali, wow. Bali or Bali, you know, like Indonesia yeah. type near Australia. And it was uh, 8 o'clock for him. So Holy we, crap. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of cool. It was a uh, we were laughing about uh, we were drinking coffee and he was drinking wine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, right? As long as it was, I mean, if it was reversed, it would have been a little weird. <laughs> yes, it, uh, we we I have done that. Uh, I have done that before. Well, Joe, I know we've got a, a time frame to work here. So what I'd like to do is to uh, say here is the the quick format, and we will jump right in. Sure. Is we're looking at kind of a who, what, and where. Sure. That means who are you? That means what you are doing and what you have done. And where can we find you on social? And where would we find you if you were out supporting a cause or something that's important to you? It doesn't have to be deep or light. Right. It could be anything. So that way, um, you know, we can kind of have a who, what, where. It makes it easy for the three of us. Yeah, and the the basics, Joe, would be just as if the three of us were traveling to a show. We were traveling to do a maybe to the NRA in Chicago, and we meet on the bus at the show, or even at the uh, an airport restaurant having a beer together. So that is really that is how we do it, man. It has been fun, fun, fun. Awesome. Yeah, I listen to a bunch of your shows. Oh well, thank you. We appreciate that. So at some point, somebody raised their hands. Hey, I got to catch a flight. And that's going to be kind of the signal to know that, you know, we're wrapping things up. So cool. Yeah. I do a lot of uh, TV and radio, so I, I'm ready to jump in. Gotcha. Awesome. I figured, I figured based on what I saw that you, you would be okay with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a good time. You interviewed Sean and Travis. I know both yes. those guys really well. They were fun, man. We got, uh, we got into some deep, deep stuff. I ended up, Doug, I was telling Doug that I ended up cutting out a good amount of time on our comments because those guys brought such value yeah, uh, to it. It, it was, uh, it was amazing. Unbelievable. I've done some live events with uh, Travis and uh, right. that was fun. yeah, we, we got into a little bit. Yeah. We get into a little bit of trouble together. It was fun. Roll sound, roll cameras. <laughs> that is it. Hey, Doug Smith, what's shaking up in the PD today, man? Man, I'm just loving this beautiful weather, Tom. How's everything in Charleston? And it's killing it. It's killing. I got my, uh, I got my sweet tea. I got my sweet tea going here, so I'm ready to go. Where are you? Are you drinking yet? <laughs> well, uh, it's a little early in the afternoon, but my wife and I decided it wasn't too early to have a glass of wine. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. That is good to hear. Good to hear. So, Doug, we have got an awesome opportunity for me to introduce you to a new friend of ours, and named uh, Chef Joe Gatto. Chef, I'd like to introduce you to Doug Smith, also known as Doug the Food Guy. What's yes. up, Doug? Joe, How it's, are really you? Good to fi- it's, it's great. It's good to finally get to meet you. I lit- read a little bit about you. Uh, Tom's been telling me, and, oh, man, I, I can't wait to hear all about 
you know, your story and how you came up with the TV program and things like that? I mean, I feel like we're already friends. I listen to you all the time. So I feel like, you know, you're like, when I hear your voice, it's like a big hug. <laughs> that is it. I've never been hugged with a voice, but I like that. I like the idea. It is it. Well, Joe, man, I appreciate so much that we we met in this in this way. I'd love to know about how about an origin story, maybe issue number one, episode number one. We know that you are a chef to, you know, a private chef to A-list clients. We know you're an author. We know you're a host of an awesome, cool new show from scratch. But give us kind of an, an, an origin story. Let us hear it. I love it. Yeah, I like the origin story. I feel like I should be, you know, have antimadium bones and, you know, claws. But um, yeah, so I'm Chef Joe Gatto. You know, I'm I'm a private chef. I'm an author. I have a TV show. I'm known for making everything from scratch. That's uh, kind of my niche in life. So I hand forge my own knives. I pull water out of the Atlantic, make salt. I make my own charcoal. I milk cows, make butter and cheese. You know, all those kinds of things. And that's what my whole career has kind of surrounded that. And once I found that, I really just kind of dug in and that's what I do. So now I'm a private chef. I've cooked for Celtics players, Red Sox players. I have a TV show called From Scratch on Pluto. I have my own show on NPR. I have a national book called Seriously From Scratch. And I'm in the middle of developing a new show right now called This Is Not A Cooking Show with um, comedian Brian Callen from, he's in The Hangover and a whole bunch of movies and we're doing a show about food memories with celebrities and we are actually pitching networks now wow that's pretty exciting thanks um, yeah i'm pretty excited i tell you what you got a lot going on how do you keep up <laughs> yeah I, I i don't mess around you know it's it i uh, i try to go uh i try to go full bore all the time i've got three kids which uh play a big role in my cooking life because they're always with me. I mean, we're actually just making homemade pop tarts right now. And um, they come on a lot of events with me. They're on my show. I bring them on to the radio. Um, been married for 15 years. I'm a busy guy, but I think the thing for me is it never feels like I'm that busy because, you know, I absolutely love what I do, the cooking and my passion for it. You know, it, it's, it's really not work for me. I absolutely love what I do. I love digging into food. I love meeting new people. Like, you know, I can't thank you enough for having me on this podcast. Like I said, I, you know, I'm, I listen to them and you guys are awesome. You dig in, you make me laugh. It's, it's such a fun program. And this is what I love about what, what's happened for me is that I get to meet people like you and we get to talk about food. Is, is this really my Friday? I mean, come on. <laughs> Right. I got to back up and ask a question. How old are your kids? My kids right now, they're four, 10 and 13. I have to oh. tell you a really quick story. Uh, my daughter yes. now is 24 years old. I'll oh, probably wow. get in trouble because it may be 23, 25. I, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I I <laughs> when, when she was uh, a young uh, teenager, we wanted to figure out something to do together. We started baking. We make uh, Christmas cakes. And oh, nice. It made it something you do every year. It becomes a uh, tradition. And hearing the fact that you got your kids on there doing the TV with you, your radio, they're cooking with you. I mean, that has to be special. I mean, you know, anyone that has kids, right? You want to spend as much time with them as you can. 
And to be able to share what I do and share that love I have for it and watching my kids take to it like, you know, fish and water, they, you know, my kids can make pasta from scratch and seeing a four-year-old up on the counter making dough with their, with their, you know, my other kids. And then when I bring them on to events and they're teaching adults. And then one of the big things for me is it's, it's awesome. I grew up in the counter in my mom's kitchen. But when we're in that kitchen, you know, we're creating memories. You can order a pizza and, you know, I'm sure it'll be good. But when you make a pizza together, those laughs, those stay in the house. They call the kitchen the heart of the house for a reason. And I'm a big believer in that. And I get to share so much time with my kids. They grew up with me in the kitchen. And that's that helps really develop a strong bond. That's how that relationship really builds. It's all that time that we spend talking and building meals. And at the end of the day, you know, we're shoving something that's amazing in our pie hole. So, you know, that, that kind of like, you know, tops it off to no, to no end. So I, I feel super blessed. I, I love that. They still love even my 13 year old boy, who's a 13 year old boy. So I don't have to say much more. He still loves coming with me to <laughs> events. Plus, you know, I cook for Celtics players and we get to go to Celtics games and, you know, he's, you know, he, he's still, I, I'm still cool, right? Yeah, that, that's very See how long that, that lasts. But yeah, they sign merch for him. I mean, he's, and he's like addicted to basketball. So shout out to Benjamin. Fast forward that a little bit. We're empty nesters. So my wife and I spend a lot of time in the kitchen together as well. And it's kind of the same story. Yeah. She's cooking. I'm the Sioux or I'm cooking and she's the Sioux. And that's when you get to talk about all the events of the day and right. what's going on tomorrow and it's really an opportunity to connect. And when our kids come home, you know, now it's been as a, as a dad, really cool to be able to say to my son or my daughter here, you're cooking tonight and then be their assistant. And that's been pretty awesome to watch as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. Because that's the ultimate goal is to retire for me. So, you know, and have them take over, but you know, like I, I can't agree more. It's such a great time to connect. Of course, I do all the cooking in the house. My wife doesn't cook, but, you know, and someone, you know, whenever we're at events or anything like that, and someone says, oh, do you cook anything? And she says, why? <laughs> and that pretty, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's got me and, and I love doing it. So, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, I love my career, but being able to share it with my family, like even I, I was, I, I just feel super blessed that they still love to do it and I get to do it with them. You know, that's, that's really what my career is built around. Before you launch your culinary career. So obviously that's a big deal for you. I was going to ask you where you were, but when you started talking about the Celtics and all that stuff, I, I kind of figured, you know, I'm, I'm the smart guy in the group here that I figured you were in Boston before you launched your culinary career. What were you doing, man? Were you, were you cooking? What, what were you up to? I was a filmmaker. I lived in LA oh. in, like, and that's what I did. And I made independent film. You can see me on IMDb with the, you know, choosy photo with the sunglasses on director photo. Um, yeah, but that's what I did from when I was a kid growing up, I made food and I made film. I met, that's how I met my wife. She came on as a producer on a feature I was, I had written and directed. And what happened was like, I was always cooking and I just, cooking always had my heart i love film i loved film i didn't like the film industry even though i was working it 
it wasn't a good fit for me in the sense of when my wife got pregnant with Benjamin, we didn't really want to have him raised in LA. We wanted him around family. Mm-hmm. So when we got back here, I started teaching and um, I got hired as a private chef and started getting, and I was working for that company for about a year. And then I bought the company private chefing kind of just took off and my culinary classes, people really enjoyed coming and taking classes with me. And then my wife um, said to me, she's, you know, with your film backgrounds, she's like, and she's like, I think you'd be perfect in front of the camera. She's like, I think you should do a TV show about what you do, like from scratch. And I was like, oh, geez, you know, from scratch. Like, I don't know how I'll fit that into a half hour, right? It seems like a daunting task. So eventually what happened was I, I sat down like about two weeks later and I wrote a pilot. And it was a BLT from scratch. So we made five pounds of homemade maple chipotle bacon. I ground the flour and made bread. You know, I made sriracha. Like I did the whole thing and I got a kitchen. And I had that producing backgrounds and I had that writing background and I had that directing background. So I knew I wanted to make something that was different. I knew I I could do a three-act story. I understood how to put everything together. And lo and behold, we shot a pilot. We a little while later, we found people that wanted to invest in it. They gave us the money for a whole season. I wrote out a whole season. We produced it, and then we got picked up by Pluto. I got a distributor in LA, and we got picked up by Pluto TV. And now, you know, it's just like taken off. People loved it. I thought it was going to just kind of sit and be really nichey, but people loved the aspect of the family in it mm-hmm. and the from scratch angle. And both of those are, you know, they're forefront for me in the show. And we have, you know, the show's exciting. It's not, it's not static. It's a, it's a well-made show. We have everybody I know was a TV, makes TV and film. So we got something that was really special out of it. So, you know, it's like anybody, right? Their path, it's never the path you envision. It's the path that you walk that, it just always is changing and you have to be malleable in life and and then just keep accepting things. And that's what I did. And and I really I'm always a creator. I'm an artist through and through. I always will be. I'm not a nine to fiver, never have been. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm driven as an entrepreneur to make my own path. And that's what it was. The show started this whole avalanche of people seeing me. And then, you know, I was on a magazine. I was in newspapers and then I got the radio show and I got a book deal and it just keeps happening and I and I just really keep accepting it and enjoying it and I try to do the most I can to help other people whenever I can and it's that give and take that I'm always trying to I mean I think we all are right I'm just trying to get that balance just like a great dish right everything's about balance when you started thinking about the show from scratch was there any inspiration any chefs that inspired you to do that or you kind of like you're like internal that's funny how did that come about man the the first the the show that really inspired me and my wife and I talked about when we started the show was Emerald believe it or not Emerald Live because you know I grew up when you know I'm old right like and I creak and you know I I just I'm old so I remember when Food Network started and Emerald was the name, right? Like I, he was 
person I don't remember, bam, and you know, and all of that. And I was, and he did it live. And I was just enthralled by what he did. And my wife said, she's like, I think you should do something like that. She's like, you in front of an audience. She's like, you really have good command of an audience. So originally we were thinking of doing it as a live show, but then we realized that's impossible without a humongous budget. And just, you know, it when you start laying a show out, we realized that wasn't possible. But I still really want to do a live show. But Emerald was definitely one. And Rick Bayless was another chef that really inspired me for Mexican cuisine. We have a place down in Mexico in Tulum. So we're down there. And that food is a is a big part of my life. I um I love that food that I love the simplicity of it and the complexity of it and how they run concurrently at all times, you know, where you get this slow braised shoulder and they're topping it off with this, you know, pop of acidic salsas. I just love that whole spectrum of food. So that's, you know, that Rick Bayless was huge for that because he introduced me to real authentic Mexican. And then living in LA changed my whole perspective when I moved from Boston, because Boston's such a European influenced food culture, where when I moved to LA, you know, it's Mexico and Asia that, and, you know, Filipino, like everything is so different there. I, I, my mind got blown as we were just touring around because every little enclave just was a different flavor. So it was like tasting the world for me. And that's what really just started me down this path of this is what I have to do with my life. Joe, tell me what does from scratch mean to you? Oh, wow. That's a great question. From scratch to me, when, when I talk about it, it really means to get to the core of it. That's, that's what I was looking to do, to really understand it from the inside out. Not just, here's a recipe and do what the recipe says. I want to know why things work. I have to break them down to its core. Because once I do that, once I understand it, once I understand when I'm grinding my own flour from wheat berries to make my pizza dough, which takes 72 hours, I'm making yeast, I'm doing all of this. When I, my pizza dough comes out and people are like, I can't believe how good it is. It's because I really understand it. I'm not just saying, oh, okay, well, it's two and a quarter teaspoons. Why? I don't know. I need to know why the hydration level needs to be at a certain level. Why is it 70-30? because you want that steam to build up, but we need a lot of gluten. So when that steam builds up and those bubbles start happening, which we're looking for in pizza dough, they have structure and can hold, right? Like that's why that's happening. And that's why we need to do it that way. So from scratch really means like digging in and understanding it to me. Thank you, Joe. I have recently come across a concept. I don't really know if it's a concept, but it's a, a descriptive concept to me that's called prescriptive and descriptive. And what I'm hearing from you is that just having you tell me what to do, some people are going to like that. But I feel like what you're saying is like, hey, man, if you're going to eat ketchup and you know what's in that ketchup, then you can change your dishes by what you use in that ketchup. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, customizable flavors when you're making it yourself. I mean, you can really influence the nuance of a dish really easily when you're making it from the core up because you're not trying to take 
a ketchup and turn it in into a barbecue sauce. You know what I mean? It's not prepackaged. So it's important to me to make, I mean, I, I really enjoy making everything from like, you know, just mayonnaise at the house, you know, because I have some extra garlic, I've got some thyme and I make, you know, like there's awesome, just simple mayo because everything now is second nature for me to build. And that part of it is really enjoyable. And it lets me explore things more because when I'm talking to another chef, I can really, I can really ask a lot of questions and really dig into why they're doing it and figuring it out and getting answers where, of things I didn't know because I'm constantly learning. And that's one thing we have to always do is constantly learning. And I'm glad you brought that up. One of the things I, I did this year is I, I bought a really nice food processor mm. and all of the things you start thinking of, what are you going to do with that? I want to make homemade peanut butter. Why? Because I'm just ready to have a peanut butter that's mine, that I know what is in it. And I know that it doesn't have a lot of crazy chemicals. So I've been experimenting with making peanut butter and I hadn't got it yet, but I'm getting that's awesome. very close. But see, that's, that's awesome because you're, you're digging in and you're doing it yourself. So now you can really understand what's going on. And when you make it your way, when you find that final recipe, I mean, it will be forever. I mean, you'll pass that on. People will be like, oh, you got to have that. food, you know, food guys, peanut butter. It's, it, you know, you slap a label on it and package it because it's, I mean, that I love that. I love that. Toasting, like we, we make peanut butter and you just have fun, you, you know, toast the nuts off a bit. You can just add some flavors. We do. We did a Chipotle one that came out really, really good. That smokiness in the back and the little heat oh, was was unbelievable. Delish. It was uh, really, really good. It sounds a little out there, but it was really good. See, that's the fun of food, right? You're just you're you're not just sitting down saying, "Okay, I'm printing out this recipe and I'm doing what it says." It's about releasing from the recipe and really enjoying your time in the kitchen. I think that's part of what I when I teach because I do a lot of like live demos and big classes. And I love teaching. It's my, it's my favorite thing to do. But releasing yourself from the recipe and taking away that anxiety that people have in the kitchen is important to me because they, oh, well, I don't have the two, I, I don't have two shallots. Well, I can't make it. Like, you know, the stress that I hear people and I'm like, well, you don't really need it. You know, you can work your way around it or use a jalapeno if you have that. But that's not an onion. It's okay. Like we're, we're creating and you're an artist. So just let go, enjoy your time. And if you're stressed because you have to cook for the family, get them in there and have them cook with you. You're going to have a better time and the kids are going to eat things more often when they're a part of making it with you. And the quote, a good friend of mine is the path you walk. I love it. <laughs> Very nice. Very I nice. love it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, a, Joe, one of the things that, that has come up, we are starting to see when we're meeting exciting meat, food and beverage entrepreneurial creatives. I feel like that I can safely say that we're starting to see some patterns in people. I guess we're, we're getting close to 30 episodes, you know, the serious episodes where we really started dialing it in. And one of the things that continues to come up is 
relevant and and contextual to what we do, what day, what, what Doug and I do in our uh, in our real lives, as we say, and, and our day jobs is finding replacements and equivalents. And you just said that about that. I know that I had the great opportunity to have a a great grandmother that I, I was attached to her apron strings and, and learned, you know, anyway, everybody has a story like that. And, and I, she grew up in the depression and was, she was born in like 1896. So she's like, Oh, wow. You know, so she, so it was very cool. And uh, she was actually a dietitian in Fulton County in Atlanta. And I learned when she was making food, she was like, oh, I don't have all purpose flour. Okay. So she grabs the bucket. You got me. She would make things and she would replace things and, and use equivalents. And as I, people in my family kind of moved on, they passed almost all cookbooks end up at my house. And in those yeah. things, you find a section, the older the cookbook, the bigger the section of things that you can use to replace something else. And these days with the way eggs are going and milk is going, I mean, it's always been like that. But as the demand for those items come, Joe, are you seeing any really kind of cool things that you're finding that you're able to use as a a replacement or an equivalent in some of your from scratch recipes that someone listening could really kind of dig? I mean, I think one of the things that I've suggested and that, I mean... And one of the things I, for your audience that I definitely, you know, you can follow me at, at Chef Joe Gatto on Instagram and see a lot of these things I'm talking about. And that's where everything, you can find my TV show from there. You can communicate with me, see all the food posts. But one of the things that people have tried a lot more often than I thought was milling flour. I think that that's something people should try because flour got, I mean, do you remember, like, no one could find flour during the pandemic. I don't know if you guys ran into that. I I ran into that because I started baking during the uh, pandemic and flour and yeast became very difficult to find. So I uh, I forget who it was that gave me the recipe, but somebody sent me a recipe for a soda bread. Oh yeah. And it was so good. I loved it so much. Soda bread's awesome. Yeah, I love soda bread. And that's why like, I started really getting into grinding flour because no one bought wheat berries. So there was plenty of those at hands and I wouldn't really know what to do with it if I had it. <laughs> right. And then you just grinding it. And that's one of the things that, and, it, and most of the time, like if you're making tortillas at home, right. A great sub is, you know, it says you need to have lard. Well, you don't, you just need a fat, right? So you don't have lard, use butter, you don't have butter, use canola oil, you know, like it, you, you can constantly switch things out and make it easier on yourself. You don't always, you don't have to use bread flour. It just has a little more protein. So you get more gluten and like subbing things out. One of my biggest suggestions would be to really understand what you're cooking. So it's really easy for you to do, you know, like onions and shallots, you can switch out. But making dishes where you're not reliant on a recipe and reliant I think what happens to people is they go shopping. They say, I'm going to make these four things. They buy the groceries for four things. They make one and then they just have a whole bunch of groceries and they're not going to make the dish. And then a couple of days later, they end up throwing things out. I think it's better to shop a little more often. It It doesn't take very long and kind of be inspired by what you liked at a restaurant. You went out, you ate in Italy make your own pasta. It takes 
literally 30 seconds to make your own pasta with a food processor. And it's two cups of flour and three eggs. That's it. And you have dough, right? That That's something where if you want to change your diet, you want to get in better shape, you want to start eating better, you want to feel better. These are the things you can do to help yourself. You can, it's, it's a slower process. It's a more involved process. It's just like our, like we were talking about, like our grandmothers used to do, right? They weren't, there's no microwaves. Every, they were chopping, right? And they were making these meals from scratch and they were delicious and people still are making them. There's a reason for that. And that's another aspect of from scratch that I really believe in. It's, it's something that's generational. It's not fly by night. And that's, that's important to me. Joe, thinking about where you have been filming your show from scratch, mm-hmm. what, is the, what is the area that you're, uh, there seems to be kind of a general area that you're in, uh, focusing on maybe like, what I don't know if you call it like New England or- Yeah, it was New England. Is, New England, okay. Yep, it was New England. We, we decided to do New England first and just really explore because that's where I'm from. And I always like exploring my backyard because most of the time I I don't even know what's back there. So it really opened up a lot of doors. It introduced me to a lot of people who were close to me. And I was like, wait, what? Like making charcoal. It wasn't even that far from me. This guy was making charcoal. This guy, Bob Wells, making charcoal from scratch to make this thing called biochar. So you'd break the charcoal down, mix it with soil and anything that grew in it like just went nuts. It was like steroids for anything. And and at the same time, he's doing so much charcoal at once. He's making so much that he's he's basically powering his his farm with all the extraneous energy that's generated from making coal. So that was right in my backyard. And then, you know, hand forging knives out of steel. 30 minutes from me. So all of this was right here. And that's when I knew I wanted to really explore where I was from first before, you know, because you're always tempted to go somewhere else. Look, oh, I have to go there and explore that. But turn around and look. And I found some of the coolest stuff ever right here. So, yeah, it was all of New England first. I love the New England area. It's beautiful. Uh, Being from the South. Uh, one of the things I do, I participate in a local farmer's market where everything mm-hmm. has to come from within a very short distance of my town, which is in Florence. And what I have rediscovered is there's nothing better than roasting some fresh beets in the oven and taking mm-hmm. the tops off and adding them to your salad that's got other greens in it. It's not just lettuce. It's all these other flavors and textures and colors. And you're not going to get that out of a bag out of a big box store. You're just not. There's no way. And who knows how long that's been sitting there, you know, and, and support your community, you know, and that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're part of the fabric of your community by doing that and you get way better food. So, I mean, how is that? That's such a win-win. And I, I, I try to do that as much as possible. So when you're supporting your community and you're part of it, the food's just going to taste better. Well, that's, you know, I told you about my peanut butter. I'm actually right. using a local honey from a local beekeeper that's, you know, just a few miles down the road and I'm drizzling that honey. 
oh, it just makes such a difference. You know what I mean? <laughs> we are officially friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> this show is awesome. You guys are awesome. <laughs> you're, like, you're I'm like, my, you know, like my kindred spirits here. This is great. We call it, we call it a tribe. Yeah. <laughs> like we're, we do. We call it a tribe. You're exactly right. And yeah. Uh, with, with a tribe. Joe, I watched your sizzle reel. First of all, I didn't know what that was until I, oh. I kind of, you know, I, I guess you would say uh, I figured it out after I watched it because it was right. really, it was a lot of fun to watch. I almost felt like it was a full stress. Like, is this a show? What the heck is this? And you said, to, I know I saw the picture of your kids on the counter. That was, I was just like, that was so much fun. But you said something in there that I thought I, I, I had to bring it up is in there you you were uh asking maybe the cameraman or who it was you said you said in boston they call hot dogs blank franks <laughs> and the guy said something that made you look like you had seen a ghost if you can tell us what he said <laughs> I, I want to know oh this ought to be good i can see this on oh, your yeah. this be good. that was that was my cameraman adam <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh that was unscripted we were on top of actually fenway we were at fenway park we were on top of the roofs of fenway at their garden and we were they were planting this humongous garden up it's it's an amazing it's an amazing place so we wanted to make ketchup from scratch and they were growing tomatoes and when i asked that question you know they call them blank franks my cameraman Adam yelled out, "Franks!" <laughs> it was. I mean, not not only no is there's like 30 people watching us, right, filming, standing up here. My wife's right there, and I. And when we were cutting the show, my editor sent that over to me, and I was like, "Oh man!" I was like, "You got to put that in the show." I was like, "You got you got to put it and." And, and then he did the beep part, and I thought that actually made it funnier. But yeah, that he yelled out, Franks. Make this Enjoyed stuff it. up. <laughs> right? You can't, you right? Can't. Well, that's why, that's why I said the ketchup. That's what's on my mind about the ketchup and about that. That was a really neat segment. I can't wait to watch that because when they were built, you know, they were doing the stuff up on top of the uh, Fenway Park. Yeah. Uh, I guess in an area. What I'll be at the Myrtle no, no. Beach Pelicans next week, which is a minor league baseball park there. And then we'll be uh, next Monday with the Charleston River Dogs. And oh, they wow. are all they are always looking for things that can bring them something because of their 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 fans. And I'm actually going to tell the story. I'm going to actually send this episode over to Josh uh, uh, over there just to say, look, this might be a cool thing uh, for for you guys to do, especially because they're they are asking us and, and, and Doug and I in our day jobs, we get asked those kind of questions. What are some neat things? What are you seeing? What are the trends? What are the guys in LA doing? What are the guys in, in, in New York doing? And uh, so I, I appreciate that you're willing to, to answer that. And uh, it, it was, oh, yeah, it was, I think it was anybody should watch that because you just went like, <laughs> it was, I laughed enough to bring it up, I guess. <laughs> I couldn't even, I, I mean, I still to this day, Adam just still that, that, there's a lot of those through the whole uh, through the whole season that in some of them didn't make the show, but he was always we, dropping something. Well, Joe, well, I tell you, on that bombshell, I have to ask you: tell us a little <laughs> bit about this new show. This is not a cooking show. That that sounds a little different to me. Yeah, that was um that kind of just kind of came out of nowhere, really. Um, there's this comedian Brian Callen. Um, like I was saying, he was 
in the hangover he was on mad tv he tours all around the u.s he's um buddies with rogan so we got introduced through a mutual fan and we just kind of like hit it off and became buddies and he's a super foodie and he loved from scratch and i was like oh you know I loved you in the hangover. Like it was just kind of one of those things where we both got a kick out of each other. And he has his own show called the best of Brian Callen. He was out in Boston doing something. And he's like, look, I want to put you on my show. Why don't, why don't I come out to your house and we'll make something together. So his crew flew up from New York and we shot like a show and I showed him how to make pizza from scratch. So we were grinding flour, we grinded pork sausage we pulled fresh moths, like did the whole thing. And he, we had a blast. We just kind of just had great chemistry. Um, and then we got a production company involved in LA, Buck Productions. They do a ton of TV. And we developed out this show where we thought it would be really interesting to explore food memories because I hadn't seen that on TV before. And okay. taking that memory following it like say it's a sausage right and like bill burr loves sausages with his dad at at and he grew up in boston and but in la we we take that sausage and we're going to recreate it but in a from scratch method and then for the bread we're going to explore an 80 year old baking company that's generational and we're going to talk to them. They're going to make the bread for us. And we're going to make. We're going to talk to this guy who builds his own barrel grills. And we're going to build a grill with him. So everything's going to get built from the ground up. And then at the end, we recreate the memory and share it with the celebrity. And hopefully, it's just coming out because I'm signing up. I'm ready for it. Yeah, it it should be really fun. Um, we're we're in talks with all the networks right now. We've been um, talking with everyone from Food Network to CW to, you know, we're just talking with everybody to see if we can figure out how to make it with, you know, one of the networks. And we got a lot of interest. People really like it. It's a it's a fun idea. It's a fun show. And hopefully, you know, we'll sell it within the next six months. It's definitely from a different angle. Uh, it's not your traditional food show, which you see on yeah. Food Network, which I know you were not going for. That's what makes it so intriguing. It's a totally different angle of the food and why we love it and why we're passionate about being foodies. It's yeah, it's one of those things in TV and we're we're trying to do something that and you find this all the time, you know, with I, per, probably any business. But I know for entertainment to everyone wants competition shows because that's what sells. But we want to do something, we want to do slow food. We want to do something that really explores it, takes its time. You know, we're not just jump cutting from one city to another. We really want to kind of explore people a little, you know, which has a little Bourdain to it, but we want to explore food. It's just kind of a different format. So people, you know, they have to kind of wrap their head around it first. But the show itself, you can see the Brian Callen episode that that links from my Instagram as well. You could see we just we had fun really exploring doing it from scratch. It sounds like from scratch would be a boring thing to do, but it's actually really fascinating and exciting. And when you have someone of his caliber who's that funny, it really does take it to the next level. When you are looking at 
the information that you're giving to people. I uh, read a quote that you had about the importance of controlling the content. I get a feeling that you're not like a real controlling guy, like, you know, you've got to have it. But but you mentioned that about controlling the content. And I feel like that is what you were doing is you were going after a passion with, I know that's used a lot. People talk about I'm passionate. I don't even think they know what the word means quite candidly. I, I agree. But, but you were using a format of interest for people like us, our tribe of people. Yeah. When you were looking at the content, did you develop that idea about controlling the content from your work or did it just kind of come out in the dish where it was a side where, where you were baking cookies and some stuff fell on the side and you're like, oh my gosh, if you bake these longer, where did that come from? I mean, Joe? controlling the content for me, what that really means is that no one's dictating what we're doing. That, you know, and it's not, it's not a controlling situation where I need to be in charge of everything and it has to be my way. It's that we're controlling the message that that and that's what streaming really changed the game because, you know, the past 10 years in TV, it's it's a whole different world now, even when we started our show, because what's happened is now you have streaming where the artist has a lot more control. If, if you know film really well, it's much like the 70s, the 60s and 70s, when directors kind of took over and they became the star and it the studio system got kind of pushed to the side and, you know, the Coppola's, the Spielberg's, the Scorsese's, they all started controlling what they were putting out there as art. The studio didn't have say anymore. And that's what streaming did because you have to think 15 years ago, if you wanted to watch food content, you had food network, right. Or PBS. Right. And that's, I watched a lot of PBS, Julia child, Jacques Pepin. That was like one of my jams. But that's it, right? You can you guys think of another food program that wasn't on one of those? I can't think of a single one. Uh, I mean, yeah, right. And we're foodies, right? Exactly. We're like super foodies. So what happened is streaming came along, and well, Food Network could control. You know, they controlled every like any. You know, it was a competition or whatever they wanted. But then streaming came along, and streaming said, "We want content. We don't want to change it." We want you because we love your content the way you made it. We think there's an audience for that. We don't want to take time. We don't want to say anything about it. We want to take it and put it on our platform and show it to millions of people and give you an audience unencumbered, which was a whole, that opened up a whole different ball game for, I mean, for all entertainment, but I mean, we're talking specifically about food. So that for us was always really important that we wanted to control the content. We didn't want to go somewhere and have them say, okay, you can't have blank Frank, right? You can't Absolutely. have that. We're going to you cut that right that. out of there. Right. Because somebody somewhere, and you can know it as well as I do somewhere, someone's going to get offended. They're going to write in and we're going to have to take it off the air because exactly. somebody got offended by it. Or potentially that, that could was, be offended. Right. Or, yeah, exactly. Or that someone told them about it and they were offended. Right? It, that's how that's how inane it was. So when we got streaming and we were talking to the streaming networks, they were like, we want it the way you made it. That's why we want, we watched it. We love it. And that's what we want to put on. 
because I don't want to change my content. And it's not, I'm not shaking my fist. Like, look at me, I'm an artist. I'm not going to change my way. It was, I don't want to do a show that I don't want to do. I don't have to do TV. I love doing TV. It's super fun, but it it's not something that I have to do. So I want to do something that I'm super passionate about, that I really love, that I think is going to really have a message and a positive message about family and about food and about like exploring. And that's what I really had when I said controlling the content. That's what it really meant that I wanted to make a show that I love and that I'll give my heart and soul to. And not just something because, you know, I want to sponsor a cast iron pan. You know what I mean? Like, I want to I want to make something that I really give a shit about and that people, when they see it, they know how much love and care, just like every dish I make, that there is a, a lot of love, a lot of care and a lot of thought behind it. And when you watch it, it's going to come right through the screen and it's really going to matter to you. It's going to make a difference. It's not just going to be something that you microwave and throw away. It's it's really a long braze is the best way I can explain it. We have some fellow tribe members that uh, we have had the great force of knowing along the way uh, and have actually been on the show, Sean Walsheff and Travis yeah. T-Bone Talbot. Oh, yeah. And I know, I know, know those madmen. Those guys. So, you guys, you were definitely in the tribe. I mean, as we were going <laughs> along and, and, and you and I were talking about being here on the podcast and the show, I was like, you know, he, he's a lot like those guys. And, and then when you said you do about that made us made us so happy to know those are great shows, too. I really enjoyed listening to those. You I mean, you captured those guys because those two guys, I mean, it's just like everyone you find. They're, they're rock stars. You mm -hmm. know, they're just rock yes. stars. And they do they talk about passion. You know, like I've been a, Sean actually had me on his show a while back. And I mean. That guy is 100% passion all the time. And Travis, I mean, you can't, you, I mean, the minute you you get him on the phone or you listen, or I've been, I've done events with him. And I mean, the energy is just, you know, as they said in Spinal Tap, Travis goes to 11, you know. <laughs> Definitely does. That was a, a tremendous amount of fun. And they are, they are decent, decent guys. And yeah, um, we had so much fun uh, bringing them. I know, Joe, that we have a, you know, a bit of a timeline here that we're working on. Yeah, yeah. So what I want to, to make sure that we get to is you've already talked about where people can find you on social. Where would they find you or what would they find you out supporting? What would be something you'd be supporting that's important to you? I mean, I work a lot with Homestart, which is helping people get back in their homes. I work um, a lot with the Boys and Girls Club, the local Boys and Girls Club. I do a lot with them. And one of the things that we're actually starting up again, which is very important to me, is um, there's a place in Boston called the Pine Street Inn, where they take people that were on the street and they take them in and then they take care of them and get them skills. They like basically help them prepare to go back into the world, the job market. And what I do is I go in and a lot of them are learning culinary skills. So I go in and help teach those and teach them how to make things from scratch. And, you know, we make a lot of dishes together and I typically bring my son with me and we just help these guys and gals, you know, because I mean, coming back from something like that is no easy task. So I want to do everything I can. I've been blessed in what I do. So I, you know, 
philanthropic wise, I try to give back as much as I can. It's really important to me. And it's really important to do it with my family as well, because, you know, when, when you have it, you should give it back and, you know, you can give money and everything else, but I think the most important thing you can give in your life is your time. valuable thing you own yeah is your time so well joe I, I greatly appreciate you coming on this has been a lot of fun i uh, never like to see these things come to an end but i think like we said earlier at some point we have to raise our hand and say we got a flight to catch i think we're getting there it's been a lot of fun i'm looking forward to uh catching this new show this is not a cooking show i'm be looking for that look forward to seeing you again here real soon yeah, it was an absolute blast to hang with you guys. It was an absolute blast meeting with you. And it was, it, it was like, I don't know. You guys made it seem like we've been buds forever. And I just kind of showed up and we were hanging out. I didn't have any wine, but you know, that's fine. <laughs> Not everybody. Everybody be prepared. <laughs> some of it, some of us. Well, well Joe, we appreciate you, man. Uh, it may be here uh, before too long once you get a little bit going. Uh, uh, maybe we can catch up again and do a follow-up after you get the show started and, and maybe catch back up with you for another 30, 45 minutes or an hour and, and, and talk to you. Would If you'd be open to that, we would love Absolutely. to catch back up with you, man. I mean, show or no show, I definitely want to keep in touch, guys. You guys are rock stars. And, you know, when I come down that way, I, you know, I'm going to expect to see you guys and eat some barbecue together. You know, I was about to say that very thing. <laughs> style, we've got a lot of barbecue places and we got a lot of seafood. It won't be Boston seafood, but we do have a lot of seafood around here. Anything you guys suggest, I'm in. <laughs> well, See Joe, we appreciate you very much. So glad to, to develop and deepen our friendship. Uh, Duck Smith, I got to go catch a flight, man. You guys uh, have a great day and uh, cheers from Charleston. Cheers Rock on, guys. Thank you so much.